You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thank you for joining us. Chris and Sophie are off tonight. Those stories in just a moment, but we begin tonight with breaking news. Port Moody Mayor Rob Vagramov is back at work. You may remember Vagramov took time off after being charged with sexual assault. Sarah McDonald is live at Port Moody City Hall where he spoke a short time ago. And Sarah, the obvious question here is what's going on with the charges if he's back? Well, Jay, that's right. And he said a lot, but he didn't tell us much at all when it comes to the legal aspect of the court case he is still facing and that sexual assault charge still against him. The mayor of Port Moody, Rob Vagramoff, confirming just a couple of hours ago he has now returned to office after a five-month leave of absence. Hi, Mayor uh, Vagramoff, what is your response uh, to the allegations? The last time Vagramov spoke publicly was back in March when he announced then he'd be taking a voluntary leave of absence to address an allegation of sexual assault against him dating back to when he was a city councillor in 2015. That accusation still stands, which makes the timing of Vagramov's return somewhat curious just a few days before he is scheduled to next appear in court. The BC Prosecution Service confirming Vagramov is still facing that original charge of sexual assault, though reiterating what Vagramov told us this afternoon, that it was now being pursued by Crown Counsel as a summary offense. Vagramov telling us his legal counsel is working towards a resolution in this case that would not involve a trial, but a summary offense is still an offense, albeit not as serious as an indictable one. The maximum penalty a conviction for one carries is 18 months in jail. Regardless, Vagramov telling us he is confident he's still has the trust of his constituents and his city councillors as he resumes all of his duties with the exception of his position on the city's police board, though that's about all he would say today. You can't tell us if you'll be in court on September 12th. You can't tell Again, us. Again, any legal stuff, like I just said, um, I, don't, I really don't want to have to keep repeating that part. But if anybody has any questions about the last few Are you few confident months, you can still lead the city of Port Moody? Do you have the trust of your city councillors after what's happened? Of course. Happened in the no, last I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to be getting back. Um, I think we have some really important work uh, to get uh, done. I am extremely regretful at the fact that there is lost time. Um, and I just want to get, get, a, get a head start on, on getting those issues uh, figured out. And Vagramov would state multiple times today that that ongoing case against him will not be a distraction from municipal matters going forward, though, as you just heard, that was largely all he was asked about at today's press briefing. And you can bet that will continue to be the case going forward until this case is resolved. And as you just heard, Vagramov refusing to answer any questions even vaguely related to the legal aspect of this case, including Jay and Anne, whether he will be in court on Thursday for his next scheduled appearance. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah McDonald reporting for us tonight. Well, the province asked and British Columbians responded in record numbers. When it came to your thoughts on changing the clocks, it's clear the overwhelming majority are tired of the flip-flop around daylight saving time. Richard Zussman has more on the results in this global exclusive and the Premier's promise that our wish will be granted. British Columbians have spoken and clearly. 93% want to stay on daylight savings time. More than 220,000 people weighed in, the largest public consultation in the province's history. British Columbians from across the province want to stop changing the clocks twice a year and stick 
to DST. Much like everything else that's obsolete, we need to extract it and move on. It's inconvenient because you can forget to change the time to get to work, which has happened to me. The question now is when. Horgan plans on meeting this month with Yukon Premier Sandy Silver about the territory freezing the clocks. The bigger piece to the puzzle is California, Oregon and Washington. All in favor of permanent daylight saving time, but they need to get the chance to pass it in the U.S. Congress. Their congressional delegation led by Senator uh, uh, Patty Murray are going to be pushing to get this passed in Congress this fall. They can't make the change without congressional approval. We can make the change here. We don't have to go to Ottawa. The clocks are scheduled to fall back on November 3rd, and Congress is notoriously slow. Although time waits for no one, Horgan says he will give Washington three weeks to a month to sort this out before making his final decision. I advised uh, Governor Inslee today about the magnitude of support here in British Columbia. He, he kind of chuckled. Uh, You'll you know he got 1% support in the Democratic uh, uh, primaries. So he says, yeah, when every time you see something around the 93%, you should take action, John. You're on the right track. Good news for British Columbians who have been pushing for this for years. I am really feeling that British Columbia can be the leaders on this and that we don't need to wait for the states, whether they do it or don't do it. The full report based on the public consultation comes out on Tuesday. The province one tick closer to these hands being left alone for good. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. The trial began today for Curtis Sagmoen, the 38-year-old North Okanagan man pleading not guilty to threatening a sex trade worker with a gun in 2017. Romina Dea has more on Sagmoen's history that made national headlines and why a group of protesters stood outside the courthouse for his appearance. Missing women's advocates have waited years for this day. It feels, you know, um, good, you know, the fact that, you know, it has come to, to the, you know, trial, hoping for answers. On day one of trial in Vernon, 38-year-old Curtis Sagmoen pleaded not guilty to five charges, including firearms offenses and uttering threats. Sagmoen is accused of threatening a sex trade worker with a gun while wearing a mask in August 2017. Sagmoen was arrested in in October the same year. The North Okanagan man has been accused of threatening and assaulting women in four separate incidents. While Sagmoen was in custody, RCMP launched a massive investigation of his parents' farm, south of Salmon Arm, October 2017, a grisly discovery. The remains of a missing teen, 18-year-old Tracy Genero, found on the 24-acre property. I loved her so much and I knew she could get better. I know she was strong enough to get better. Sagmoen is not facing any charges in connection with Genero's death, nor has he been named a suspect. Police say the investigation is ongoing. As we know, you know, her human remains were found on the Sagmoen farm, and yet there has been no charges, you know, for Tracy's family. They don't have any answers. Sagmoen has chosen to be tried by judge alone. The trial, connected to the August 2017 allegations, is expected to last several days. We can't tell you certain details revealed in court because of a publication ban requested by Crown and Defence. Global News will be challenging that ban Tuesday morning in court. Romina Dea, Global News. 
Vancouver police hoping the public will keep their eyes peeled for a man wanted on a Canada-wide warrant for his breaching of conditions. Police say Talon Chikosis failed to return to his halfway house on Sunday. In 2013, he was convicted of assault, aggravated assault, and being an accessory after the fact in a 2011 murder in Saskatoon. If you see him, do not approach him and call 911 immediately. B.C.'s police watchdog has launched an investigation to determine if police action or inaction played a role in the death of a North Vancouver woman who was reported missing last week. Ted Chernecki explains why two welfare checks completed by Mounties at her home are raising questions. A lot of questions but so few answers as investigators try and follow the trail that led to the discovery of 45-year-old Elizabeth Napierella. Her body found inside her North Shore apartment two days after the RCMP classified her as missing. That prompted an extensive search involving other residents from her building. I said, I'm going that way so I'll look in the woods and off the trail to see if I see anything. She is described as being very frail with medical conditions. And because of the bizarre circumstances, the Independent Investigations Office of BC, a police oversight agency, has decided to take over this case to determine if everything that should have been done was done before declaring her as missing. You know, that, that's automatic. The first place you check when someone is reported missing is their own residence. <laughs> It isn't the first time police have failed to appreciate the seriousness of a call. Last month, a young girl called 911 saying 13-year-old Carson Kermeni looked very sick at a Langley skate park. He later died of a suspected drug overdose. And 11 years ago, Lisa Dudley lie paralyzed and bleeding for four days after being shot. A coroner's inquest heard a 911 call where an officer sounded skeptical about the call and was even laughing about it. The officers drove around and left. There had to be some sort of premeditated thought process there as to why they didn't talk to the caller, why didn't they investigate further, and they just dismissed the whole thing. Dudley's death prompted the RCMP to broadcast to all members the importance of taking a welfare check seriously. An officer's report having prime entries such as patrols made, gone on arrival, or any other minimalist approach will not suffice in these circumstances. That was 10 years ago. There has to be a focus on how the officers react and, and, and a quality control placed on them. Among the questions to be answered, did anyone actually go inside her apartment before calling her missing? And if they did, how hard did they look? Ted Chernecki, Global News. Cater has officially applied to operate its ride-hailing service BC-wide. The BC-based company hopes to be up and running in Metro Vancouver, Victoria, Nanaimo by this winter and intends to roll out its services throughout the rest of the province over the next year. Keith Baldry joins us live in Victoria with more on how ride-hailing is expected to mesh with transit. Keith, can they coexist? Well, they certainly coexist in other jurisdictions, uh, Anne. And Kevin Desmond, the CEO of TransLink, is for some time saying uh, he welcomes the introduction of ride-hailing in Metro Vancouver. He thinks he can works with, work with them. Uh, but he does point out it's not uh, necessarily smooth, ride, uh, smooth sailing here. He's worried that the, the conditions have to be right to ensure they both can work together. He wants to partner with them, but he points out he, like many others, are worried potentially about uh, congestion and poaching of transit ridership. Here's the CEO. We hope that ride hailing is implemented with a series of, of ground rules that make sense for good public and social outcomes. We're all into a TransLink improving overall mobility, and ride hailing can improve overall mobility. We don't want it to create more traffic congestion, as an example. We also don't want it to poach 
transit ridership, so back to partnerships, we find ways to partner. We're eager to figure out ways to partner with them in a way that improves overall mobility. So a lot of balls are still in the air in this file, guys. Uh, first of all, the Passenger Transportation Board has yet to respond to Transportation Minister Claire Trevena's letter to them, asking them potentially to review or reconsider uh, them having no cap on the number of ride-hailing licenses. The Vancouver Tra uh, Taxi Association meets tomorrow night to brief its members on what's going on, and there continue to be rumblings of a potential class action suit sought by the taxi company. So we're not near there yet when it comes to ride-hailing. Hopefully it's there one day, but still a lot of roadblocks to get through. Yeah, still lots to sort out indeed. Thanks for that, Keith. Keith Baldry right. in Victoria tonight. A Vancouver City Councillor wants to look at rezoning single-family neighbourhoods to allow for temporary modular housing. Right now, modular homes are only allowed on land that's zoned for what's called comprehensive development, usually a parking lot or a lot awaiting redevelopment. But Councillor Christine Boyle says those areas tend to be more expensive than areas zoned for single-family dwellings. If Boyle's motion passes, staff will come back to Council with more information on the possibilities by the end of the year. Meantime, a few of the city's homeless, namely those from Oppenheimer Park and their supporters, sending a message to the mayor at City Hall today. Protesters are upset over Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart's comments that the remaining homeless at Oppenheimer Park needed a nudge to move ahead. So now they're at City Hall nudging back. Mayor Stewart recently proposed that the city temporarily take jurisdiction of Oppenheimer Park from the park board because the city is better equipped to handle these social issues associated with the park. At last count, about 40 tents remain at Oppenheimer after an eviction notice was sent last month. It's an ongoing complaint. Exorbitant parking prices at many hospitals right across the province. Turns out new data shows revenue is up in every region. Aaron MacArthur has more on where visitors are being hit the hardest and the discussion around a better solution. Finding a place to park at Surrey Memorial can feel a bit like a merry-go-round. There are dozens of two-hour free spots on the street and people will go to any length to avoid paying at the hospital lot. Each time when I'm coming, $16. Free is better. They're making money from us. Parking revenue worth a small fortune to health authorities in B.C. For the 2019 fiscal year, parking raked in more than $36 million. Every region made more this year than last. The Interior Authority seeing the biggest jumps. Northern Health up by more than 45%. People are in the hospital. They're not thinking about their, their parking meter. And they shouldn't have to. So what we have is a system that exploits people. A statement from the Ministry of Health says rates haven't gone up in two years. And additional revenue, simply a matter of additional spaces opening. The health minister did promise a review of paid parking at BC hospitals six months ago. We're all asking the same question. Where are the answers so we can work on them together to implement a better, fairer parking system in the province of BC? As if paying for parking isn't bad enough, Health authorities contract out the parking to third parties which deal with enforcement. That money doesn't benefit the healthcare system at all, simply adding to the bottom line of for-profit corporations at the expense of BC's most vulnerable. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Okay, in about 15 minutes from now, someone is going to win a brand new home. The PE Prize Home Draw will happen live right here on the News Hour at 6.30. That's right. Meteorologist Christy Gordon is at the Coliseum with all the exciting details. And Christy, it really is a beautiful home. 
It sure is. We're not in front of the home right now, you guys. The reason is the rain that's outside right now. So we've come inside the Coliseum. I'm here with Jeff Strickland. He is the Director of Operations here at the Peony. And uh, it is a really exciting time. 600,000 tickets in that barrel. Tell everyone at home how things are going to happen tonight. Yeah, this is what it all comes down to. One lucky winner, 6.30, we're going to draw that ticket. We're going to phone uh, the winner. Hopefully we'll get him or her on the phone. Mm -hmm. And ideally, if they're close by, we'll bring them down tonight and show them their brand new home got a limo waiting with wine i'm sure oh yeah so all the champagne i can't wait to pop it it's gonna be great <laughs> so it is going to be pretty exciting we urge everyone at home to stay off the phone but maybe call your friends if they have a ticket as well to get them watching global news because it's a pretty exciting time you're actually going to be able to hear the caller live on the news hour coming up in 15 minutes yeah that's exactly it and hopefully we get the person on the phone and uh, we'll get to see who our lucky winner is tonight at 6 30. That's right. And so you win a, a beautiful over 3,000 square foot home that will be uh, put into Kelowna, Kirshner Mountain with views of all of Kelowna. It has been a very successful year. Do you have anything to say to people who have bought tickets at home? Just cross your fingers, whatever you do for luck, um, get those charms ready because uh, this is going to be a big day for someone very special. A Vancouver family says their agonizing ordeal searching for their lost dog should serve as a warning for anyone using an app to find someone to look after their pet. They claim a sitter they found through a popular app lost their dog and then cut off contact. Catherine Urquhart has the story. Just looking for my lost dog. Michael Brennan spends another day chasing every possible sighting of his dog Sammy. The two-year-old shepherd Rhodesian Ridgeback went missing Friday near 28th and Fraser. She is a member of our family. So, I mean, for my kids, it's been really tough. Sammy disappeared after she was left here with the dog sitter hired for $40 a day through Rover.com. At the time, Brennan questioned the makeshift fencing made of old pallets. You know, I thought, okay, I have to have some trust in this company and the service. He's got these five-star ratings. Your dog is obviously the most important person in your life. And at Rover, we get that. Hours later, the sitter named Christian claimed Sammy vanished while in the care of his roommate. He then just said, I'm sorry about your dog. I will not be res responding uh, to any more of your messages. And so he ceased communication at that point. Dog sitter Christian won't answer his door. Michael Higson rents upstairs in the same house. If I was paying somebody to take care of my dog right there, then I would expect him to actually be doing so. Otherwise, I'd just leave her at home. Rover apologized to Brennan and told Global News, we are no longer allowing this sitter to offer services through our platform. I think, you know, we, we thought we were dealing with a reputable company and organization, or at least with an individual that... Uh, would manage to look after a dog for, you know, a 48-hour period. Sammy was last seen near 33rd and Fraser. If you see her, you're asked to keep eyes on her and call 311. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. The Vancouver Aquarium is about to introduce its newest resident from Alaska. Taslina, a sea otter pup, was found swimming on her own by fishermen in Alaska's Anchor Point. Her umbilical cord still attached. She was nursed back to health by the Alaska Sea Life Centre with the help of Vancouver Aquarium staff. Because most sea otter pups are deemed non-releasable due to the amount of hands-on care demanded by the rehabilitation process, she'll make the Vancouver Aquarium her home.
And she is obviously by herself right now while she's getting used to everything here at the aquarium. Um, but in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start introducing her to some bigger otters. And hopefully she'll have a lot of fun with that. She'll have some friends to play with and also some otters to kind of show her the ropes how to be a sea otter. Taslina will be visible to aquarium visitors this Saturday as she begins to discover her hmm. new environment. She is so sweet. Yeah, she's in good hands now. Yeah! Cheers erupt from rescuers as the last of four crew members is pulled from inside a capsized cargo ship off the Georgia coast. The men spent more than 36 hours inside the ship in blistering hot temperatures after it capsized Sunday morning. Rescuers cut a hole in the hull to get at the crew members. The streets of a number of maritime cities look like war zones in more ways than one. In the wake of the destruction of Hurricane Dorian, the Canadian military is helping in the recovery effort. They are working with utility companies to restore electricity to tens of thousands of people across Nova Scotia, New Brunswick and PEI. Despite the around-the-clock work, many will be without power until next week. Meantime, Halifax is still recovering from the most shocking disaster of the storm, a construction crane collapsing during the peak of the winds. The crane collapsed onto a building that's under construction. Local residents say had it fallen the other way, thousands of people would have been under it. The company that was using the crane says it was supposed to withstand winds of up to 200 kilometers an hour. Investigators are trying to figure out why it didn't. All right, now to the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to draw the winner of the 2019 PE Prize Home. That's right. The moment is here. Uh, lots of people buying tickets leading up to this, so we're going to have the uh, the big draw right now to announce the winner. We're going to check in at Good the Coliseum with PE Board I'm Chair Tom Lisa Dominato, CEO of the PE. And after an incredibly successful PE fair, we are ready to draw the winning ticket for the PE Prize Home Lottery. I'd now like to ask Vancouver City Councillor and Chair of the PE Board of Directors, Councillor Lisa Dominato, to pull the winning ticket. Thanks, Shelley. Lisa? Once Lisa pulls the winning ticket, she will read the ticket number out loud for verification. Just make sure I got one ticket. Okay. And the winning ticket number is 7613278 dash six. The lucky ticket is now being authenticated by our lottery officials and then we're going to phone the winner. So if you bought a lottery prize home ticket this year, we could be calling you. And if that phone is ringing, answer your phone. Earlier today, we gave away 17 amazing prizes, five $5,000 travel vouchers from Air Canada Vacations, five luxury BMWs from Brian Jessel BMW, five cash prizes, a custom Harley Davidson motorcycle package from Trev Dealey Motorcycles, and this year's 50-50 winner was awarded half the jackpot of over a million dollars cash. Now all of the excitement is built up to this moment, the draw, the draw for the 2019 Peony Prize Home Grand Prize. And of course, the fun continues this fall at the PE. Join us for a series of fall concerts, Fright Nights at Playland, Disney on Ice, and new this year, we welcome the Harvestland Festival in October and Aurora, the Aurora Winter Festival in late November. The 2019 Grand Prize package includes 
includes a luxury modern farmhouse, a net zero ready home designed and constructed by Freeport Industries. What? Good evening. Is this Albert Pendergast? Yes, it is. From Port Moody? Correct, yes. Albert, this is Shelley Frost, President and CEO of the PE. How are you doing tonight? Well, I'm just having a bite to eat. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to make your dinner a whole lot better. Albert, did you happen to come out to the PE Fair this year? Uh, no, I have uh, medical problems. No, I haven't been able to make it out there. Well, we were sorry that we missed you on site, but I do understand that you bought a PE Prize Home Lottery ticket. Yes, I did. Well, Albert, we are really thrilled to tell you, congratulations, you are the winner of the 2019 Peony Prize Home. Holy God. Congratulations. Holy man. That's unreal. And you're at home in Port Moody right now. Yes, I am, ma'am. That's fabulous. Uh, Albert, we are going to keep you on the phone, and we are going to come and pick you up and bring you back to the PE to tour your fabulous new prize home. So we're going to keep you on the line. Thank you. And thank you, British Columbia. We look forward to seeing you next year at the PE Fair. Good night. Wow, there you go. Albert is the big winner. Congratulations. Uh, what a moment. I think he needs one to catch his breath. I would you think know, so. Overwhelming experience. Yeah. Good for him. Just Congratulations, to Albert. Yeah. He may not be able to finish his dinner right now, but <laughs> have to take a few moments. That's wonderful. All right. Another news tonight. Fiat Chrysler is expanding a recall of Ram pickup trucks in Canada and the U.S. The company is adding nearly 900,000 trucks to a series of recalls to fix tailgates that can open while the trucks are being driven. It covers certain Ram 1500, 2500, and 3500 model pickups in the 2013 through 2018 model years. The expanded notice brings to 2 million the number of trucks that have been recalled. Caught on video in Lethbridge, an ugly incident during a minor hockey tournament over the weekend that's resulted in criminal charges. Witnesses say it began when a 10-year-old player struck a 51-year-old ref at least twice with his stick and the ref pushed the child to the ice. What followed was caught on video and posted on social media. A group of adults, including coaches, charge the referee and one pushes him down. The video stops, but witnesses say the referee was punched several times before the fight was broken up. Lethbridge Minor Hockey says it happened at a private event and wasn't hosted by the local hockey association. This is just what happened. And we've heard of these before. There's videos out there of, of incidences in other cities and towns of private hockey and I think what it's going to do is it's going to make people think about private hockey because it, it's, there is no rules for it. A 55-year-old man is charged with assault and charges are pending against another man who police are still looking for. Luckily, no one involved, including the child and the referee, was seriously injured. With BC's kids back in school, parents are reminded to teach them how to dial 911 and what to do after they've called. The Ecom Emergency Call Centre says with children as young as four now having their own cell phones, parents should take the time to teach them the life-saving lesson. Tell them when to call 911, teach them their address, and explain what will happen during the call. Even try a mock emergency situation. You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
right, that's an indoor waterfall at the Vancouver Film School, and it's not supposed to be there. Some unexpected flash flooding in the downtown core this afternoon, thanks to a burst of torrential rain. The film school canceled some classes, storm drains overflowed, and intersections were flooded, making driving, as you can see, a bit of a challenge. A 1 in 50 million catch off the coast of Maine. A New England fisherman caught this rare two-tone lobster. The colored crustacean's unusual appearance will save it from the cooking pot. It will go on display at the Maine Center for Coastal Fisheries. And after the forecast, another viral video raises concerns about autonomous vehicles. Slightly shocking to see that. <laughs> Just slightly indeed, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's head back down to the Pacific Coliseum where Christy's standing by and a bit of a soggy start to the work week, Christy. Yes, yeah, a little dreary to start the work week, but it's pretty exciting down here. Congratulations again to Albert Prendercast from Port Moody, who's won this year's Peony Prize home. They're about to get in the limo right now to go and pick him up and bring him back to see his new home. Now, yes, as you're mentioning, and it is a soaker out there. You talked about the flooding in some areas. We're certainly seeing pooling water on the roads. I urge everyone to slow down on those roads, you cyclists as well, and turn on your lights. Heavy downpours. It's not going because you can see in this tower cam shot there's certainly some sunshine out there and we've had reports of rainbows as well so that chance of showers or I guess downpour of rain or thunderstorms continues through the remainder of the day today we're also seeing them through the Okanagan Valley and will continue to through the evening hours it will die down though overnight there's an image from Debbie Jennings she sent this to me saying remember everyone you need to have your lights on uh, especially at dusk this time of year that happens earlier but when it's raining, even during the day, it can be really tough to see the car ahead of you. So make sure your lights are on. There's your risk of thunderstorms for tomorrow. Non-severe, but we'll see that all across southern BC, but we're not expecting them through the south coast. Tomorrow, though, we do have a slight chance of showers for the south coast, but it should be mainly dry. Now, across the south, we will continue with a chance of showers. That risk of thunderstorms all across the region into Whistler, potentially into Hope as well. Uh, Sunshine Coast, you have a chance of showers tomorrow. Victoria does as well and through the Fraser Valley and then further east but most areas should be dry. So we've got sort of two dry days on the way where we'll warm back up to above seasonal values but then Thursday and through the weekend it looks like temperatures drop once again. I don't know if you felt it over the weekend you too but it was a big change in the air with the cooler conditions and the wet weather pushing in and that's the pattern we're going to see again this weekend. But pretty exciting down here from the PNE. Uh, excited to be giving away that uh, PNE prize home and we're about to just get in the limo. Not me myself but the team here, the PNE team here and go and pick up Albert Prendercast. So pretty exciting. All right, back oh, to you. Oh, it is exciting. You just tag along, Christy. I'm sure Albert yeah. won't mind. Another surprise for him tonight. <laughs> That's right. Well, another viral video is once again raising concerns about the growth of autonomous cars. A Massachusetts driver captures video of a Tesla speeding down an interstate at nearly 100 kilometers an hour with the passenger and the driver fast asleep. The driver says he tried to honk his horn to wake them up, but they kept on snoozing. Tesla says that while its autopilot system has advanced safety features, drivers are expected to be attentive at the wheel. No word on how this ended, but there are no reports of crashes in the area at the time. Those two putting a lot of faith in technology. <laughs> I'll say. How do you surrender, right? <laughs>
Just yeah. fall asleep. I, I don't. Uh, I don't get it. Wait, I'm. I'm. St- listen. <laughs> wait till you become self-aware, like Skynet or something. <laughs> yeah, that's then it'll right. Be, it'll be bad scene. Then you'll be more attentive. You'll perhaps. be way more attentive. Yeah. It'll be running over us when we're not looking. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my. Oh, <laughs> A little aggressive. Boy. Wow, is that a oh. downhill putt? <laughs> Sorry, Chris. That's the only shot they sent us. Yeah, Chris spent today on the golf course, but it was for a good cause. The overcast weather not dimming spirits at the Take a Swing Golf Tournament today at the Vancouver Golf Club. That's to benefit the CKNW Kids Fund. The fund has supported children with special needs and their families for more than 70 years. Fortunately, no do-overs just because the cameras are rolling, so... <laughs> I'm sure that was his only mistake of the day. And the rest was a gimme. That's right. Okay, so uh, the TV ratings for Bianca Andreescu's win over Serena Williams were huge on both sides of the border for different reasons. In America, record audience for the U.S. women's final because people wanted to see if Serena could win her 24th Grand Slam. In Canada, the ratings were also off the charts because, of course, one of ours was in the final, trying to win the first ever Canadian singles final from a Grand Slam event. 15% of Canadians tuned in to watch, or an average of 2.5 million. And with the win, Andrescu has moved up to fifth overall in the world rankings. Now, she could be number one, but it's not likely she'll be number one this year. She might not be able to get enough points. But number one sometime next year is very much a possibility. No word yet on which tournament she will play next. Well, we had a chance to sit down with Canucks head coach Travis Green today. We'll show you more of the interview tomorrow. But one thing we were wondering about from Travis is the letter C. Will someone be wearing it on a regular basis this coming season? Here's what the coach had to say. Will you have a captain this year? We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see, meaning I can't tell you if we are or not, or I really don't know if we are or not. We're going to let it play out. Again, that's... Where's our leadership group at? Uh, where have certain individuals come back as far as their development and their progression as a player and a leader? And uh, I just want to see the group interact a little bit and, and we'll have a better idea once we get through camp. Oh, Horvat, sorry. <laughs> uh, the New England Patriots have become the team that'll wash away your sins if you're a misbehaving, talented player. Receiver Antonio Brown is the latest rehabilitation project. He signed with the Patriots after wearing out his welcome in Oakland before the season even started. And he's the hard cap, flag is down, free play, takes the shot downfield, Antonio Brown! I know what he's about as a person. Now I know the work ethic that he puts in. You know, like I said, I was his teammate for a little bit in Pittsburgh. Uh, he's one of the hardest working guys in the NFL. You know, so uh, he's gonna make plays wherever he's at. From the 10, Roethlisberger, throwing end zone. We can all agree that Antonio Brown is one of the most talented football players on the planet. He's a seven-time pro bowler who's led the NFL in receiving yards and receptions twice. There's very little he can't do, and that includes wearing out the welcome mat wherever he plays, be it in Pittsburgh where he racked up over 11,000 receiving yards, or in Oakland where he didn't even make it to the regular season after orchestrating his release. Hello. Yo, what's up, Go. What the hell's going on, man? There's a villain all over the news, man. Is Antonio all right? He didn't behave like this before he started getting this money. Is he misunderstood? Almost definitely is. You know, all of us, you know, we, we stereotype guys and think that, you know, there's a certain persona how a guy's supposed to act, but everybody's different. Every individual's different. Uh, like I said, they're paying them millions of dollars for a reason because he's a great player. 
When you're capable of doing things like this on a regular basis, NFL teams are always willing to offer up second and third chances. Instead of making a guaranteed $29 million to play for the Raiders, Brown is taking a $15 million pay cut to suit up for the Patriots, a team that's no stranger to taking on football's selfish souls. What's it going to take for him to fit in in this locker room? Uh, I don't know. You have to ask Coach that. Um, you know, it's we'll see. Um, you know, he's a, he's a great player, a phenomenal player, and uh, we're excited to have him. Yeah, I think everybody's excited to add, you know, great players. It helps everybody when, you know, you have great players that are sharing the burden of, of a tough football season. So we haven't had a training camp together or that, so it's, you know, you got to force a lot of information. And, um you know, we're all excited to have him, and all I could say is we're just going to work as hard as we possibly can to, to get up to speed as quickly as possible. Call me the breeze. It's an old Leonard Skinner song. Nice. Uh, Will Fuller. Now that's a catch. Highlight real material. And that's part of a touchdown drive that ended with Deshaun Watson running the ball in himself. Without fear, near the cone. Get up, get in. One more look. He actually hurt his back here. He'd be checked out a couple of times, but kept playing. Uh, Drew Brees eventually got his act together. Down 21-17. Traquan Smith has given the Saints a lead in the fourth quarter. Later on, Denver and Oakland as week mm-hmm. one will conclude in the NFL. Coming up on ET Canada, complete TIFF coverage starring JLo and Priyanka Chopra. Plus, we're backstage with all the winners at this year's CCMA Awards. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to you. All right. Thank you, Carlos. Well, lacrosse is one of Canada's two national sports, but needless to say, it doesn't get nearly the same attention as the other one. That Hockey. is true, yeah. But as Richard Zussman reports, one of the teams competing for the national championship, hailing from Victoria, as a very high-profile fan. You've done extraordinary things, and I've been a lacrosse fan for a thousand years. John Horgan makes a lot of speeches. Keep chasing those loose balls. But this Listen one isn't coaches. Premier Horgan. It's die-hard Victoria Shamrocks fan Horgan. Great offense, great defense, fantastic. The team is battling for a national championship, and Horgan's been along for the ride. Whether it's hanging out at practice, facing off against Tyler Burden, <laughs> or the game. His custom jersey making him hard to miss. One of my only regrets is that I never got to play for the Shamrocks, but uh, I am deeply connected. I met my wife in Peterborough because of the Shamrocks. 40 years later, Ellie's still beside him at Shamrocks games. Oregon choosing Trent University all these years ago because his favorite lacrosse team was playing there. The deep connection goes beyond his wife. On his office wall, an editorial cartoon of his dad, Pat, who died when Horgan was two, as the scorekeeper at a Shamrocks game. Then there's his mom, who made sure her son could play the game he loved. She didn't have a lot of money, single mom, and um, finding the dollars to buy the stick, which was the big expense. Horgan has been offered box seats many times, but he sticks to his seats. Even the team knows where to look for him. I think it's his way to escape out of all the pressures of being premier and everything. So uh, it's great to have him here. It's cool for us, you know, and he comes here to take his time and, and makes us feel like, like he really cares about it. 
The best of seven lacrosse series is tied at one, but the team can get some motivation knowing the Premier will be right here with the goal to cheer them on to a man cup. Richard Zussman, Global News, Colwood. Custom jersey, now that is a super <laughs> fan, yeah. I think he also is big in Frisbee golf. Really? Oh, is that right? That's what someone told me, disc golf. Yeah, that, okay. John Horgan and also darts. Darts. Yes, he's very good it's at a the good range. rugby. And rugby. He digs the rugby too, okay. There you go. Uh, before we leave tonight, a big congratulations to Albert Pendergast from Port Moody, the winner of tonight's PE Prize Home. I guess uh, the limo's coming. Should be Christy's driving it. That's right. <laughs> All right, thanks for watching, everybody. We're back again later tonight at 11. See you then.